Dealing with Death. A Springfield Catholic grief therapist authors a new book to help people grieve healthier and better comfort those who lost loved ones. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen, and it's happened to all of us. Losing a loved one, it can be very painful. How we handle that loss depends on each person, though. But are we grieving in a healthy way? And what should we do if the pain is still just as apparent today than when the loss occurred? And what about comforting those who lost a loved one? What should we be saying? What should we not be saying? Well, because it can be so challenging to handle grief well, whether it's our own grief or someone else going through a loss, Dr. D. Stern of Springfield published a new book in January to help us all. It's called Comforting the Bereaved Through Listening and Positive Responding. What are the bereaved trying to tell us? And she joins us today on Dive Deep. Dr. Stern, thanks for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Oh, you are so welcome. Dr. Stern, your credentials on this topic We'll call it comprehensive. You're a doctor of psychology. You got a master's degree in psychology and pastoral studies. You're a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified grief therapist, a certified hospital chaplain. You're also a part-time parish bereavement minister at the Church of Little Flower in Springfield, where you're a parishioner. And you're a chaplain at HSHS St. John's Hospital, where you facilitate three grief support groups. So you know this topic well. We'll just, we'll put it that way. Uh, Dr. Stern, this is one topic. This is something that impacts all of us. We all go through loss. We all, we all lose someone in, in our life who's very close to us and dealing with grief and bereavement. It, it happens to all of us and how we deal with that is so important. So we're going to start off with, you know, as a society though, Dr. Stern, it seems like we, we aren't handling loss too well. What are we doing wrong? That's a good question, Andrew. Um, centuries ago, people born, lived, and died in the same communities, and everyone in the community knew everybody. Everybody knew their neighbors. Uh, neighbors watched children grow up. They got married. Um, they had children. They grew older. They died and were buried. Everybody in the neighborhood knew everybody. Everybody cared about everybody. There was a connection. Everybody said, oh, yeah, I remember. When someone dies, we may know them or perhaps not even care about them today. We don't know everybody in the neighborhood. Um, Many times we don't make an effort to even contact the family of the deceased. The support that used to be there is not there today. Today people are more involved in a me and I attitude and spend more time texting, emailing, calling each other, rather than talking face-to-face -face with the bereaved to offer their sympathies. Hmm. Why does this happen? Could it be that we don't know what to say or are afraid to say something to the bereaved? What if they start crying? What do we do? What do we say? How do we act? Perhaps if people took more time to comfort the bereaved in person and listen to them, our losses might not be quite as difficult to deal with for the bereaved today. Yeah, and we're going to get into some of those questions uh, you just talked about. Are, are, are we, how are we doing it? Are we doing it the right way? Um, so let's start off with that. What advice do you have for people so when a loss occurs, we are better prepared to grieve in a healthier way? When you talk about a death or really any kind of a loss, um, it's good to have a plan. I'm very big in a plan. Um, Plans are fact, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, um, plan, I believe in plan A, B, and sometimes C. If uh, plan A doesn't work, you have to have a backup plan, so you have B and C. For a death, it's good to have a good insurance plan, um, a will, power of attorney for health care and finances, 
even to have a funeral mind in a funeral home in mind. You know, you might think, oh, well, that's that's kind of a dumb thing, but it's something you need to think about. Where would I go? Where would I want my loved one to go? Have a pre-arrangement for a funeral, a cremation, or a graveside burial. If you have a lot of things already taken care of before the death, that makes it much easier for family and friends who are left behind to make these decisions for you. As for grieving, everyone grieves differently, and what works for one person doesn't mean that it works for another person. Sometimes it helps to fall back on what helped in the past to get through a stressful situation. So if you have something that's helped you in the past, you can go back and perhaps that could help you. If it worked in the past for you, it could help you again in a, when a death occurs. When you talk about death, no one can really predict a death. No one can predict when it will occur. The doctor could come in and say, I'm sorry that your loved one is about to die. It'll be any second now or any minute. And the person lives weeks, months, years. So it's important to have someone to talk to about what you're experiencing. Not to give advice, but something to support them and listen to you. You never know when there will be a loss. You never know when there'll be a death. So it's important to be prepared. It's important to have a plan. I think that that's that's excellent advice. You know, having that plan in place, A, B, and C. I love that. You always gotta, I always gotta have, have a backup plan just in case. Now, uh, there's this old saying, "Time heals all wounds." Is there any truth to that? No. Hmm. No. Why not? Uh, time heals all wounds. It's not really true. It, it's not. It's not the time. It's what you do with the time. Hmm. If you do not, if you do nothing, uh, your healing will take much longer. If you think of a cut, if you don't take care of the cut, it can get infected and you can have multiple problems. However, if you take care of that cut, healing takes place. If you think about it, grief is like that as well. If you don't deal with it, there can be many complications. If you talk with someone who will listen and not give you unsolicited advice, you'll be helped as you grieve. If you do nothing, there's a possibility of having complicated grief. There's, a comp- there's problems all along. Um, you keep your grief inside of you. You don't want to deal with it. You're afraid to talk about it. So it's really important when you're grieving, no matter how long it takes, there's no time limit, no time limit to death. Grief takes as long as, grief takes as long as it takes. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, if, if, if you can't get over it, don't feel like you are grieving in the wrong way because it's, it's how you handle it yourself. Now, um, part of your book addresses better understanding what someone who has lost a loved one is feeling. You know, what should one say and not say to someone who's lost a loved one to comfort them? Because this is something, you know, again, all of us, all of us know someone who's lost someone, obviously. And so, you know, we're always something, you know, what do we say? What do we not say? I don't want to say something that may come across, you know, and so in our mind, and then sometimes maybe some of us even bottle that up and be like, well, I guess I better not say anything at all. So what advice do you have for us to say on, on uh, if, what should we say to someone who's lost a loved one and what should we not be saying? Uh, this, is, um, this is a really good question. This is one of the reasons I wrote the book that I did. Um, there are so many people, there's kind of an old saying, um, you know, put your foot in your mouth. Well, with grief, so many times people put their whole body in their mouth. They say everything. They just, they don't know what they're saying. Uh, and I truly believe that when people are saying things, it's just, 
they don't know what else to say and they think that they've really helped the person. But unfortunately, there's so many times that people have said things that they have hurt people. And people who are bereaved do not forget. Um, it's interesting. We don't, we don't really remember the positive things that people say to us. It's more of the negative things. And I truly believe that's because it hurts so bad it just hangs on. Hmm. Um, some of the things that people have said, and these are real things that people have said in my, uh, to the bereaved, don't you think you know that, don't you feel better to know that God needed another flower in his garden and he chose your child? Are you, you are young enough to have another baby. It was only a miscarriage anyway. Aren't you glad your baby died because you don't know what it would have turned out to be as it grew older? It's so sad that somebody would even think about that, but they do that. They say that hmm. you are young enough that you can find another fish in the ocean um, now that Bob died, you can have some free time. And now we, you don't have to go to the nursing home and the hospital. Now we can go shopping again. It was God's will that your daughter killed herself. He was always in pain and was going to die anyway, but now he's in a better place. Uh, it was only an animal. You can always get another one. And again, these are these are real quotes you have heard in your, in yep. your experience of dealing of helping people. Unfortunately, yes. I hear these things a lot. Um, you can get over it. You have to get over it and stop being so sad all the time. And, th and that, that quote right there goes back to what we were just talking about. Never say that because grief takes as long as it takes. Absolutely. Now, these are so, as terrible as those things are. These are some things that have also been said to the bereaved that are good. Such as, I'm so sorry to hear that your husband died. He was a wonderful man. If you ever need to talk, I'm a good listener. But remember, when you say that, if somebody comes to you, please be prepared to be able to listen. Another one is you and your family are in my thoughts and prayers. That really means a lot to someone to know that you're praying for them and thinking about them. And hopefully you are. I can't begin to imagine how you must feel since your wife died. I will always remember her smile. She could light up any room. Your son, Hill, he was a wonderful guy. I'll never forget him. Your husband was such a hard worker and everyone really liked him at work. Your mother was such a wonderful person, always so welcoming to everyone she met. It's just nice to have something nice, something positive said about your loved one. It helps you also remember that they're not forgotten. And that's very important to the bereaved to know that their loved one has not been forgotten. Yeah, and I can speak from experience. When my brother passed away several years ago, and, you know, he was young, and when people came up to us, and, he, and you know, they told us stories that, of course, we'd never heard before, um, and it really just you know, it brought a smile to our face, and it's something that we, we always remember. Um, now, those are words, what we should say and not say. Great advice, Dr. Stern. What about actions? What should we be doing uh, from an action standpoint, what should we not be doing to help that person grieve better? That's another good question, Andrew. A good thing to do is to help the bereaved to listen and to allow them to tell their story over and over again. Sometimes you just get kind of um, tired of hearing it and you might say, well, I've got to get going. I really don't have time for this. Uh, or can't we just talk about something else, something that's really important? This is very important to the bereaved. They need to be able to tell their story. 
Another thing to mention is their loved one in a conversation or relate a memory or a story to them of their loved one. This is also very important to them. It helps them realize that their loved one hasn't been forgotten. I can't believe, I can't begin to tell you all the times that people have been hurt because no one has ever mentioned their loved one. Hmm. Why not? Sometimes people uh, give unsolicited advice, uh, such as, um, you'll be fine, you'll get over it, it's going to be okay. When somebody tells you it's going to be okay, how do they know? You don't know. How do they know? Unsolicited advice is really a very dangerous thing to do, but most people do. Also, do not rush people through their grief. Don't push them to do something they're really not ready to do, such as go out to eat, go to a party, go to a grief group, or even to get help. Um, I've had people in my group where um, they've had their loved one has died and their family has pushed them to get over it, like about a week later. Hmm. And they say, you really need help. You need to go get help. And so they come to a grief group. The problem is the people come into the group and they say, I'm, I just want to let you know this up front. I'm only here because my family has pushed me to come here. I will never return. I'm going to stay here now only to get them off my back, but you will never see me again. And it's true. They never return. And it's because they're not ready. When you go to a counselor, a therapist, or a psychologist, if you're not ready, you're wasting your time, their time. You're wasting your money. When you're ready, you'll know. When it's time for you to go to get help, you'll know. When it's time to be around people who um, are similar, like in a grief group, you'll know. Please do not push people when they're not ready. And another thing is never ask somebody who's grieving um, how they are. Most of the time, they don't know how they are themselves. Uh, So it's much better to ask them how their week is going. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, someone in my grief group uh, had said that someone had said that to her. And they said, well, how are you? And the response is, well, how do you think I am? My husband just died. How do you think I am? Do you think I'm fine? I'm okay. And the person got very angry. But when you ask them, um, how are, how's your week going? Then they can relate to that because maybe it's been a really bad week and they can tell you about that. Or maybe it's been a really good week and they can tell you about that. But to say, how am I? They don't have a clue. They really don't. What I picked up really fascinating there, Dr. Stern, is myself, I'm willing to admit, and I'm sure other people who are listening, we've probably asked how are you to people? Because, you know, that's, that's always kind of ingrained of our minds. We think that's, oh, that, that's us being courteous. Uh, also saying the line, everything's going to be okay. You know, that's, especially when you have children like myself, you know, sometimes that just becomes second nature. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's okay. Just to be reassuring. So what I kind of pick up from you is, you know, try to subconsciously tell yourself not to do that. Focus on the positive with, with people, tell stories. And when it comes to maybe how they're feeling, maybe get a little broader um, as opposed to more specific. How are you is a very specific thing. How's your week going is a little more broader, which opens it up for more interpretation. And um, that person can answer that question without maybe breaking down. Is that, is, is what I said kind that's of? It, that's exactly right, Andrea, that um, people have a very difficult time um, when they're grieving, obviously. And for someone to come up and just ask them, how are you? Um, 
they don't know what to do with that because they really don't know. They don't know how they are. And there are so many people um, who try to reach out in their own way, and they come up with things that, as I mentioned earlier, um, if they would just think. And so one of the things that I really have a kind of a pet peeve about is, you know, people don't think before they speak. If you think before you say something, perhaps some of the negative stuff coming out of you isn't going to be there. So it's important. The bereaved are hurting so bad. Um, The losses that they're experiencing, whether it's a suicide, whether it's from COVID, whether it's um, any kind, Alzheimer's, uh, death of a spouse, death of a parent, death of a child. There's so much there. And when you ask them, how are they, what do they say? And when you rush them to get through their grief, they're not ready. And then they think they're not grieving right. And then they don't know what to do. And then I have people who come to the group and say, I don't know what to do. People keep telling me I should move on. But I, I, it's only been three weeks. I, I don't know what to do. So it's, if you think about it, and, and one way to think before you speak is to put yourself in the situation. What if this were you? What if you had just had a loss and someone came up to you and said to you what you say to the bereaved? How would you feel? And if you keep that in the back of your mind, I think perhaps that might help you before you say something that could hurt someone. And even in that moment, if, if, you're, if, you, if you have a friend or, or a family member, and let's say it's a few weeks after and you see, see the person, uh, you mentioned don't ask, how are you? Is that also maybe an opportunity to also, you know, you ask okay, how your week's going, but maybe say a story or, or talk about something positive of, of the, the person who died. Maybe remember a story or, hey, I love their smile. How's your, you know, I just want you to know, you know, I'm really sorry about Bob's loss. You know, his smile just, he, he lit up every room, you know, but, but you know, how, how's your week going? Is, is that almost kind of what I said? Is that, that's yep. that, good actions right there? That's excellent. Okay. <laughs> we need to send that out to everybody. I'm, I'm learning from you, Dr. Stern. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> All right. That's now, good. now um, rituals. Um, I know this is something that you know, people have gotten away from. How important are rituals to help people grieve better? I think rituals are really important because, uh, well, they bring God, family, and the deceased together. Special prayers can be said. People can offer their sympathies to the family in a quiet and sacred environment. A ritual is a time to remember. It's a time to reflect on the life of the deceased and a chance to say goodbye to a friend, family member, or colleague, and yet tell the bereaved family stories and their memories of the deceased that they might not know about. This is a wonderful, rituals are wonderful. Um, And unfortunately today, we don't do very many of them, and they've changed in a lot of ways. So when there is a ritual, it's just really important And I I think it really helps the family to feel a little bit better because they know that other people are there and care about them and share this ritual with them. And on that same note, you know, we, we've done things at Catholic Times in the diocese really pushing uh, people to remember the importance of the funeral mass. Uh, we talk about rituals now, uh, obviously a specific ritual for us, a funeral mass. Um, you mentioned thing people are, we're not seeing these as much, you know, and, and before we get into the question of the importance of, of a funeral mass, I go back to, you know, we discussed earlier of, of what we can do to help, you know, grieve in a healthier way. One thing is, is preparation. You said ABC. You know, one thing we've talked about with folks is, 
to, as you pointed out, Dr. Stern, have your funeral arrangements set up, have your funeral mass set up, have where you want to be, have you want to be buried, because there are unfortunately children who, when their parents die, those parents may have wanted a funeral mass, and if the child has fallen away from the faith, that person doesn't get a funeral mass. But if you have that set up ahead of time, so to speak, you're more likely to get that funeral mass. So um, we all know from a Catholic perspective, funeral masses are so important spiritually. We are praying for the deceased soul, the repose of their soul. Um, but for us still here on earth, from, a, a, again, a healthier grieving process and from a psychological standpoint, how important is the funeral mass still to us here on earth? The funeral mass is very important, um, very, very important especially if the deceased was someone who went to church and was devoted to God and to the church. Um, a lot of times families, kind of what you just mentioned, uh, maybe the children of the parent, person who died do not go to church anymore. And so they think, well, you know, if we have this, well, I, I just don't feel comfortable, so I don't know if I want to be there. Mom, you know, they'll, they'll be okay. It's it, And so they're mad, there is no mass. And really the the... This is sad because this is something that perhaps their parent has gone to Mass daily, has said the rosary. They're so prayerful. But yet because somebody in their family does not feel comfortable, there's no Mass. So the Mass is very important. And even if the body is not present, it's called a memorial match, which is also important, especially if the deceased has requested it. And as you just said, if you plan that ahead of time, it's going to be there. These Masses are a time of prayer, there are a time of reflecting, a time of remembering. Um, before the Mass at a visitation is a good time to tell these stories and memories to the people. It's a good time to talk to the family before the Mass or after the Mass, after the burial, is another good time to talk to the, to the families and tell them. Tell them the stories. Tell them what you remember about them. When they are even at a luncheon, if there's a a luncheon or a reception somewhere, um, that's a good time to talk to them too. It's really important for them to be able to leave with a positive frame of mind. As hard as that is when the death occurs, it's nice to hear something that your loved one is not forgotten and that they're always going to be thought about. Now, for some, Dr. Stern, there might be this inclination, you know, so to speak, to show strength by not crying, you know, keeping things bottled up after a loss. Can that be harmful? Yes, yes. Um, not everyone cries when there is a death, yet there are some people who cannot stop crying, while others cannot seem to cry at all. That's okay, uh, because that's where you are. That's where you are at that particular time. But it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Um, Sometimes when you least expect it, tears will come. It could happen at any time. It could be months or later. Um, you could be doing, you could be going to the store and um, going to the grocery store and, and shopping and all of a sudden you remember that your loved one liked a certain thing and you're passing that area and all of a sudden you start crying. Um, you could smell their cologne Somebody may be walking past you and you smell their cologne or you see somebody wearing a shirt or an outfit that they wore. That would be enough for you to, to start crying. You never know when it's going to happen. My parents died uh, many years ago and I remember going to, um, to the grocery store and getting a wreath 
to put out on their grave. And as I stood there, um, I just started crying as I was checking out. And the, uh, the lady waiting on me was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, you're like, don't ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I don't know. And she said, why are you crying? It's just a wreath. And I said, and I, and she said, and you have flowers. And I said, I know. And she said, well, that's a good thing. And I said, no, it's for my mom. And she said, oh, she'll be so happy. I said, no, she died. And she said, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Um, well, uh, that'll be, uh, your cost for this will we'll be in a, and by then it was too late. I was already having a difficult time. Um, she should have said at that moment, all right, I screwed up. How about half off? That's right. That would have been great, but she didn't. <laughs> so, um, again, it can happen at any time. You just never know when the tears will come. So, and it's, it, and it's important, it's important almost to, to, to let it, let it come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes people are afraid to cry in front of other people. It's okay. It helps the other people to realize that it's okay. So when someone is grieving, there seems to always be someone around who thinks that the bereaved should be strong. Well, this is not true. Your loved one has died and now you're on your own. When a death occurs, your whole body is depleted physically, mentally, socially, and sometimes spiritually. Sometimes people tell the bereaved to be strong for their children and not to cry in front of them. That is so, so wrong. If you, you cannot be strong for others when you're grieving. If you think back about on an airplane, remember in an airplane when the mask is lowered for oxygen, you are to put the mask on you first, then your child or the person sitting next to you. If you're not okay, you cannot help anybody else to be okay. It's you, sometimes people say that grief is a selfish time. It is. Because it's a time when you have to get better, and then you can help others. If you're not, you can't help others. So to cry in front of others, to cry in front of your family, really gives them permission to cry. If you give people permission to let them feel what they feel, they will. If you, every time they cry, you tell them, oh, no, no, don't do that. You, you, no, you'll be okay. It'll be okay. Wipe those tears away. You're stopping them from actually feeling. And that's one of the worst things you can do is to stop somebody from feeling. And I would like to offer this to the bereaved. Never, never apologize for how you feel. It is not you that is concerned about strength. It is everyone around you. They simply do not know what to say or do when you are sad. So down the road, when you are able Take some of that control back and tell those around you what you need and what you want from them. It may be you just want somebody to listen to you, or you might just need a hug or a shoulder to cry on. Only you know what you need. Please, please do not allow, do not allow others to tell you how you should feel, what you should feel, what you should do, because it's truly all up to you. Thank you. And again, you know, um, also if you're if you're helping someone, or if you're if you have a loved one or a friend who's dealing with a loss, no advice. It's it's more of the listening. Um, really quick, back back to the um, the crying part. Is it is it actually a good thing? So let's say I'm going through a loss, and and whether it's at the uh, the wake or weeks later, and I start crying, and my friend starts crying. Um, it 
is it actually a good thing to see my friend crying in, in a sense because that shows that they actually care? So while it's not, quote, positive, they're maybe not saying anything, but even, even seeing that, it's like, oh, wow, you, 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 feel, you feel a sense of loss like, like me. Um, and so actually, you know, I, I, I get that sense of almost that deep love you have for my loved one as much as I do. Well, <laughs> sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not good. If you're crying, then you have the bereaved comforting you. So you're the bereaved. You've just had a death, and now you're comforting somebody else who's trying to comfort you. So um, I think it's it just depends on how much you're crying. Okay. Uh, but I think it's it's um, not necessarily that good to have somebody crying when you're crying. I mean, if they do, that's fine. But um, then. The bereaved feels, oh my gosh, you know, are, are you okay? You're, uh, um, c- can I help you? Whereas it's, I'm the one that needs the help, and now you're crying too. So, so in that situation, could you make, could you maybe say, if you're trying to comfort the bereaved, it's okay to cry. Um, Absolutely. But maybe if if you can try to show a little strength, so it's not becoming the bereaved trying to trying Correct. to comfort you. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, one final question, Doctor Stern, is there? If people, you know, you, you're a certified grief therap- therapist. So um, at what point should someone come come to see you or go to uh, their, their church who has a bereavement group? Um, is there, I know there's there's no perfect answer, like when you're, when you're feeling this, this is when you go to this. But if you could offer some advice on, on that aspect. Absolutely. Um, I really don't, uh, I prefer not to have people come to the group, uh, at least for a month perhaps three weeks to a month, because those first two or three weeks um, after a death, it's really important to be with family, to be with somebody who's going to be there with you, comfort you. You don't really need to have a lot of people um, sitting around talking. You need to just be. You just need to be with family, be with friends. Um, Take care of all the things that have to be taken care of, such as uh, the death certificates and all of the thank you notes and all of the other things that take place. To go to a grief group um, right afterwards, which I mentioned earlier that people push people to do that, is really not a good idea because it's overwhelming for them. They don't know what to do. Um, they hear about other people who are having a death, who have had a loss, and they just it's more than they can handle because they're thinking, well, I'm the one who's here. I'm having a hard time. I really can't handle hearing about other people. Uh, there are too many people who are uh, sad in this group. I can't handle this. I, d- I don't think I can stay. I- I'm going to leave. I remember years ago when 9-11 happened, uh, and um, I thought, well, you know, that should be probably something good that people could relate to. And I had uh, two gentlemen in that group who spoke up and said, I really feel bad for the people for 9-11. I mean, I really do. But my wife died, and that's more important to me right now than all the people at 9-11. And that may sound selfish, but i am lost the love of my life, and I can't handle this. So um, I feel bad for the 9-11 people, but I'm more concerned about my love that I just lost. If you'd like to purchase Dr. Stern's book, Comforting the Bereaved Through Listening and Positive Responding, What Are the Bereaved Trying to Tell Us?, Go to archwaypublishing.com. That's arch, A-R-C-H, way, W-A-Y, publishing, like normal.com, archwaypublishing.com. 
Really good stuff, Dr. Stern. Again, this is one of those rare topics where it impacts everyone. So we're really grateful for you to come on. We're grateful for your advice. This book uh, spells everything that, you know, we kind of went through the Cliff Notes version today of everything in there, but dive deep. I'll use that phrase. This is our podcast. Dive deep into into your book, which really helps you. Uh, Dr. D. Stern, thank you so much for coming on Dive Deep. Thank you. This has been Dive Deep. If you'd like more podcasts, head on over to dial.org slash podcast. And until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep.